Risky business. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey B, Joe Pizzapia. With me today is the Welsh, who just turned his hat from backwards <laughs> forwards. Because uh, one of our friends who we work with here at Fantasy Pros always says, you want the bill your hat facing the direction you want to go in life. And that's forward. That's right. That's for you, oh. Quinn. That's a shout out to you. And today's show is about the 10 risky picks early on that we are just not feeling necessarily, or maybe we are, and we like the risk. We'll tell you what those names are and what that risk might entail for you and your fantasy baseball futures of 2023. We're also going to talk about some early buzz. Our man, the Welsh is out there in the trenches of spring training, giving us some of the early buzz, but we also seen in some of the ADP, some guys starting to rise already with some news and some different situations unfolding early in camp. So we're going to talk about the early spring risers and those that might uh, uh, potentially sink or swim your fantasy team. Before we get into all of them, don't forget, everybody, fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. That's the place to run your mock drafts. Get your mock draft on. Start preparing today. It's free. It's free. It's fantastic. It's educational. It's it's the what you need. It's what you need at the end of the day to make sure you go and get all your draft situations proper for all your leagues. Again, download the app. It's spectacular. Go to fancypros.com slash draft wizard. Run them. You could run the hundred mock drafts all weekend, whatever you want to do to get prepared. So make sure you start that. Welsh, let's start with some of the names here on the risky picks. Again, risk is defined as, you know, typically a player that uh, may or may not be worth the ADP. Now, some risk we like because we know what the upside is. Some risk we don't. So I want to know what this first guy, what do you think about number one on your list? Is this a risky yeah. player that you are into for 2023 or is the risk just too much? I'm going to be brutally honest that I go back and forth pretty much every day on this. And the player that I think is literally the riskiest player is Fernando Tatis Jr. When you're talking about this, he's built for this. Why? Because he's suspended for the first month. It's about April 20th. He's eligible to come back. He also is coming off of two shoulder surgeries. And he's really kind of looked like he's been injury prone. Third, obviously there is the other uh, substance component of why he was suspended that we can question, like, what role did that ultimately take in it? The last thing that gets on it as far as the negative goes, take all of those things in a bundle and look at the cost. You do not get him past the 20th pick you are paying full price for a player coming off of shoulder surgery suspension for mm -hmm. um a pd or whatever you know you want to yeah. call it ring mm -hmm. ringworm medication Blair. and uh you're taking all of that into consideration and you're paying a top 20 overall pick the problem is in 2021 there wasn't many better fantasy players, 42 homers, 25 stolen bases and projections <laughs> in general can't come off of that because of the player that he is. His batting average was great. Bat X has him at 284, which by the way, is the highest of any projection system. And I want you to understand this. First off, the bad X was so critical of Fernando Tatis as a rookie. The bad X also, any of these projections are meant to be lower you don't see that from this projection system. This is Derek Cardi's. It was uh, voted as the number one singular projection system. ATC is like an aggregate. Uh, they were the most accurate this year, uh, voted by, I believe it was Fantasy Pros. Mm -hmm. And um, that, uh, Derek Cardi's was like the second or the most individual one. To see Derek have Fernando Tatis Jr. system as the number one guy, that is eye-opening so if you get 35 homers you get 20 stolen bases you almost get 90 90 with a 284 batting average guess what 
you're golden, even if it's 120 games. But you have all of those other things that are staring at you. Lastly, if you consider him a shortstop, it's a deep position in baseball. Luckily, he's going to qualify at outfield. Looks like he's going to play right field. That's what I saw him playing in one of the instructional games before uh, spring training started. So you probably end up actually drafting him as an outfielder. But Joe, I don't know how you quantify any other player as being as risky as Fernando Tatis Jr. It's the biggest risk reward, I think, in uh, fantasy this year. Yeah, but probably the biggest reward for the risk. And I think at the end of the day, for me, Tatis is worth that. Um, it's funny looking at him on Fantasy Pros next to his name. It gives the little abbreviation SUS because he's suspended. But, you know, my daughters like to use the word sus. You know, that that's, that's what the teenagers like to say. And he is a little sus. He's, he's a sus. sus in terms of personality. He's sus in terms of uh, health at times. There's a lot of sus around Fernando Tatis Jr., but Welsh, the upside is just so much. You know me. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm Ricky Bobby. Like I want to be first or last. Like I'll, I'll go for it all. You know, and if you're going to give him to me in the second, if you're giving him to me in the second round, which is where he's going, he is a top five potential talent. That's not going to happen again next year if he has the year that he has. So to well, me, it's the perfect opportunity to go all in. And, and I, I agree, like if Bobby Witt is there, you don't need to take that risk. But once Bobby Witt's off the board, maybe Pete Alonso's off the board, Trout's off the board. You're looking at the guys that you feel good about, that you know who they are, and then there's a guy that could change the whole dynamic of your league. And Tatis is that guy. So, yeah, he's risky, but I think that's a risk that I'm willing to take. Well, Starling Marte is the guy I want to talk about with you because that's a guy that, again, I love the player, love the power-speed combination. Uh, the guy himself, another guy too, not a stranger to PED suspensions in the past as well, kind of like Tatis. But he's already kind of coming off that groin issue. They're working him very slowly. He's a little behind in camp, too. That worries me. As another year older worries me. Starling Marte is a fantastic player. He is right now going as the 71st player off the board, and that's still a pretty big investment where you worry about the health. You're worrying about are you going to get 140 games out of this guy, and that's a tall order. I just don't know. If that's the case, if you look, the last time he played 140 games was 2018, 145. Uh, last two years, he played 120, 118. He's not a player that's just been on the field very much. So it is a, it is a tough sell. It's a great lineup. It's a good situation. At his peak, he is a 2020 kind of threat, and there's not a lot of those guys floating around. So I understand the risk. It's a little bit cheaper than the guys we're talking about to start here, Fernando Tatis. But is Marte too risky for you? He is right on the border for me. I think it depends on the – if it's a shallow league, I'm more apt to take that risk. But in a deeper league, I think I pass on him for something a little bit less risky, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to mention this with Tatis. Like, you, know, you say it's worth the risk and you slam on it in the second round. But the problem is, is like in a 15-team roto, that's it's a little bit tougher to stomach where you're, you're going to have to take him in the mid-second round. A guy like Marte – even in a little bit of a deeper league, he's still coming at a cheaper cost. I mean, I'm worried about him. Uh, athleticism declines as ages get older. You've seen games played have decreased. If you don't consider the COVID mm -hmm. year, four straight years. I mean, it has sure. gotten less for, since 2018, 145, 132, 120, 118. In that same period of time, his strikeout percentage has risen from 16% um, in 2019, all the way up to 19.2% for four straight years. That's not good. Those are not good warning signs. 16, 18 was solid last year, but we're getting into this place where we're like, oh, well, if Marte could play 140, he's not, he doesn't. And he's coming into the season injured. That should be one of the biggest warning signs, I think for a lot of these players. But I do think where he's going, 
it's not it's not out of the it's not crazy it's not out of it's the not norm crazy because, but you know what i look 10 picks later corbin carroll and brian reynolds are on the board okay but where are you saying he's going right now he's going at 70 overall there's no he's and not those he's guys not are going, going at 82 and 83 well i'm just saying that's the consensus right now yeah but but like with the injury stuff that has kind of surfaced over the last like week well or that two, might that change in the next camp. week or so right that, if that he's could going change around 90 95 he i think he's okay but you are taking a player with diminishing skill set declining as his age goes and it literally is on paper mm. in front of us so like I'm telling you both stories like I'm cool to take him in the 90s because stolen bases, if you ignored it, I have a draft in tout right now where I really have ignored stolen bases and that's not great. But I've just had such phenomenal hitters fall to me across the board that you might have to make it a little bit more of a priority there. But that's not necessarily the spot where you're going to want to jump in and taking, you know, declining uh, at the declining athleticism of an outfielder just because you're doing it on stolen bases. But it is a Mets big offensive Mets team. I think you have to ask yourself, like you were about to do with like Corbin Carroll, like what are the players that are around him? I think yeah, you can make Carol, cases for a lot of guys. Later, around. look, I'm looking. The average ADP is at 71, and he's at a 70. That's too high in NFBC too, too right now. He's at 78 in NFBC. So I mean, a little bit closer to some of the other. But like you look at some of the other spots, like CBS is all the way up at 64. Let's go to the next guy on your list of risky picks. Who is it? Uh, I've got Dylan Cease, who I feel like I've talked about. I'm trying to mix these up here, but Dylan Cease has just got volatility. The strikeouts are phenomenal. We love the strikeouts, but the walk rate is not. And um, I like having the backdrop of being able to, um, to to be able to like, I know I always have 200 plus strikeouts. I think it makes these guys easier to, to stomach, but you had a huge ERA and XFIP difference, 2-2 ERA, a 3-5 XFIP. I really do expect his ERA to jump back up into, if it's three fives, I'm not saying it's not good, but where you're taking him, especially this range of pitcher, I can almost put these pitcher names around there. I don't really want to jump in and invest on a guy that if you're paying for last year's ERA, that's not going to happen. He's not going to have an under three ERA. He may have the strikeouts in there, but I'm a little bit worried overall about this rotation. The bounce back for me is Lucas Giolito when you're paying really high for it. When I look at this entire rotation outside, I throw Kopech aside. I would rather invest in Lance Lynn and Giolito bouncing back than I would Dylan Cease being able to repeat what he can do. Nick Pollock was on here when I mentioned him as a bust. He agreed, no way. He's. I think his quote was, it's laughable where Dylan Cease is going. So this is a I very risky that. pick if you jump in and invest in your SPs on this high of a walk rate and a player that's going to be able to repeat what he did last year. I agree. I think the ADP is a little high right now for him. And I like the return you're getting on Giolito and Lance Lynn later, 100%. Let's take a quick break in the action to tell you about Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience of your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy baseball commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your drafts this season. And the top dynasty fantasy baseball platform in the industry is Fantrax. It's not even close. Go deeper with the ultimate keeper and dynasty leagues. Create a simple redraft league or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. If you're coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize as needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or a mistake in dropping a player? 
Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, college basketball, college football, golf, soccer, NASCAR, you name it, they've got it. And if there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has that too. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep and neither does Fantrax with seasons running 365 days a year. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it their permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official signed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. jersey by simply going to Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros and signing up today. That's Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros for your chance to win that official signed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. jersey. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. And now back to the action. Next guy on my list is Clayton Kershaw. Back-to-back seasons of 22 starts. It's not going to do it for me. Uh, the guy had chronic back issues, and he's only 34. And I say only because I'm looking at Verlander and Scherzer, and those guys are like 134. And they're still out there, you know, trying to get it done. I mean, Verlander's coming off a of Cy Young, and I play in a lot of head-to-head formats. And I think when you play in the head-to-heads, you really got to ask yourself this question. If we're already building in 22 starts is basically what our expectation is. What if we get a bigger injury? Where do we get multiple? What if we're in a situation here with Kershaw where it falls off the map? And that's a problem for me at his current ADP, which is at 110. Uh, if you look around the other pitchers going there, it's guys we really like, Blake Snell, George Kirby. Like those are some of the pitchers right back to back there with the high upside strikeouts of a guy like Hunter Green. I understand in season long roto the appeal of Clayton Kershaw for you get those 20 something starts, you get some really good whip and ERA numbers, you get good strikeout total, everything that you want. But the durability factor for me as a top 100 player, which is basically where he is, is still just a little too high. Where I'd rather take some of the upside of the Nick Lodolos of the world at this point in their careers because I'm already worried I'm trying to get blood out of a stone with Clayton Kershaw in those 22 starts. And the more we kind of squeeze and squeeze, I'm just a little worried at the end of the day, like we're going to get tapped at a certain point with Clayton Kershaw and head to head. It worries me more than season long Roto. So in season long Roto more apt for that risk in head to head. It's a risk. I just don't want to take Welsh. Did you say you squeeze blood out of a stone? I, I do. Don't think I just, I've I've my hands that. are so strong. I have a stone and I just squeeze it and it bleeds, it bleeds blood. And then yeah, it says, why did you make me bleed my own blood? That's what there's the a said. lot of risky pitchers. Kershaw's a little bit, and dicey to me like if i'm gonna put it in is a real thing by the way i've never heard that term you're the king of mixing expressions i I thought you made it up that's why i thought that was a welshism it's not a welshism that's a real are you You x-plugging me right now are you trying to screw with me like i'm supposed to buy it which by the way i have a follow-up on that from justin mason for don't let me forget i have the uh suggested new stat for next week but Let's oh, let's fantastic. continue on about Kershaw. Give me your 10 seconds on Kershaw, and then I want to move on to the next guy. Yeah, I think uh, in general, Kershaw is where he's going. You could look at it as risky. I don't quite look at it outside the top 100 as risky, but you just know what you're getting in innings. They will be good quality innings, but you have to be comfortable with like 140 innings is what you're going to get out of him because you're not going to get much more. All right. Next guy on your list. Welsh is who? So I've got Adolis Garcia, and I think this is funny because this guy – lived on this list last year mm-hmm. but there's something that is just standing out to me that i feel like we're being lulled into a sense of comfort we're all like well he's done Maybe. it for two years now we're good his adp when you look over on fantasy pros is 85 on the consensus which is a valuable tool by the way perusing through fantasy pros and looking you can see ecr and you can also look at consensus rank and i find that very valuable 58 
is where he's going. Here's some outfielders that are going behind him. Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, Eloy Jimenez, Starling Marte's in there. My point, listen to those three. What's the difference? Why? It's because of stolen bases on Adolis. People feel, mm-hmm. you feel a lot more comfortable. He lowered his strikeout rate last year. He maintained his batting average, which was good, but they are still high strikeout rates. There is still a really low walk rate. I appreciate that he steals bases. Projections don't buy the stolen bases continuing. He also looks ginormous, by the way, but he always kind of does. He's just bigger than he was last year. He's a big guy, but I just saw him in camp. But um, beside the point, I feel a lulled sense of comfort that's going on with Adolis, and I don't want to fall for it. He is a 2020 guy. Fully acknowledge that. He does it again. He'll break everybody. I just don't think it's the case, and I listed off three outfielders that really – I'm going to take over Adolis Garcia because I don't, he has no floor as far as contact goes for me uh, with the higher strikeout rates and the lower walk rates. And I, I don't know. I just, the 250 batter average does not feel like that is going to maintain. I think it's a really, really high cost and it's built a lot just about stolen bases. The next guy on my list is one of Welsh's old favorites. Now I'm not sure exactly where he stands on him this year, but if you listen to the show last year, a lot of Byron Buxton talk. And Byron Buxton reminds me of that uh, that song, The Last Dance by Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> when I'm bad, I'm oh so bad. And he was sometimes. Sometimes he was great. Uh, the April was great. 270, 1,000 OPS. Then in May, buck 69 batting average and a 610 OPS. Then in June, 275 batting average with 1,000 OPS. Then in July, buck 89 batting average. You see where I'm going here? Yeah, and then of course trend, I get August it. hits and September is he is not there. And I, I'm looking at Buxton. And the thing we used to always say is, well, at least you get the stolen bases with Buxton. Except last year we didn't. We only got six deals yeah. out of him. We got a ton of power, 28 home runs. Nobody I don't think expected the power return in the amount of games. 28 homers in 92 games. But the thing with Buxton is I just don't know who he is. And the only thing I do know about him is that he's just not there enough for me. And that, at the end of the day, at the pick he's going, which is 87 overall, I struggle. Talking about those same guys around that vein, Brian Reynolds, Corbin Carroll, I like those guys more. Gunnar Henderson's a player I absolutely love. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, Willie Adamas. There's a lot of guys in this range between 80 and 100 that I'm really high on this year, and Buxton's a player that every year the expectations are there, and every year it's a disappointment. Welsh, where are you this year? with Byron Buxton in 23. I mean, I'm, I'm a little indifferent. I'm probably still like higher than the general sense, but I don't disagree with you. When I get into the eighties, it's not quite Buxton time for me. So I think I've missed out a lot of opportunities in it. The thing I would argue is like the batting average did stink. Sure. But even when the batting average stunk, he had a career high in homers and he still stole, yeah. stole six bases in 90 games. If you were just to extrapolate for a little bit, even if he continued at his piss poor batting average of 224, which, by the way, was paired with a career, a, a second career low in BABIP, only the, I think, third time overall that is actually the third that he's ever mm-hmm. hit under uh, 300 on his BABIP. He is a career. 305 Babbitt. So this is over 60 points lower than his normal Babbitt. He still hit 28 homers with six stolen bases. Extrapolate over in those 90 games. You're going to add on, let's just in a, say some weird, crazy world where he played 150. He would have been a 40-10 guy 
last year. That's where he would have looked at it. But his strikeout rate's absurd. His contact went through the roof. I agree. I kind of don't know exactly who he is. The only thing that I, I wish would stop with Byron Buxton is people pretending like he's not incredible because he is incredible look what he oh, did in a short athlete. amount of time it's, on a really bad batting average he is an incredible yeah. fantasy player when he's out there so don't pretend like he's not but he is broken all the time and that's what stinks and i don't blame anybody for moving off of him because i'm kind of doing the same thing i don't go on it but if he plays 130 games all of you are going to miss out on probably what is going to be a first round talent it's just he ain't gonna do it he ain't gonna play 130 games my knock on him is always the same thing it was when he was, I think, taken second overall the year of the draft. I said to me, Byron Buxton was a better athlete than a baseball player. That was always my knock on him. And I know he missed a lot of developmental time, a lot of injuries. So it's not like he got to the major leagues and the injuries were problems. The injuries were a problem in the minor leagues. He had minor league injuries. He missed time. He missed development time. That was our big concern with him. And is that his incredible raw athleticism has always carried him. But eventually now we're getting to a point where it's just a tough investment for me. I'm with you. Like if you get a bud, get a discount on him, I'm listening. But uh, it's definitely I'm one that you're listening. I'm drafting. The problem is, is would you say it was 87? 87. <sighs> I don't even know if I can pull the trigger on that. I, I have to get either. a discount to do it. You have to get a discount to consider. And that's what makes mm. Buxton. He's probably, I think like Tatis from the hole is kind of like the number one guy. This is probably number three. If we're not counting the blatantly obvious Jacob DeGrom. Sure. All right. Next guy on your list. Welsh is who? Uh, Tim Anderson. Now, Tim Anderson's skill sets are really not to be debated. You know, stole 13 mm -hmm. bases last year, played, uh, had six homers, hit 301. That is four straight seasons of a 30, uh, a 300 batting average or better. He's lowered his strikeout rate. It was actually the lowest of his career this past year, which was awesome. Had 50 runs, but... 79 games, 50 runs in 79 games is the problem because had 123 games a year before that 49 in the COVID year, still missed time, 123. He's played 150 games once in his career. So the same thing that we penalize Byron Buxton about Tim Anderson is not that much different. He does. It, maybe he plays a few more games. He doesn't play full seasons. He doesn't come close to playing full seasons and he doesn't come close to living up to his expectations. We keep continuously chasing his 2020 season in 2018. We don't get there because he doesn't play the games. He has a better underlying safety net because he doesn't strike out at the same rate, but the guy also doesn't walk. So I also kind of don't want to hear about why Tim Anderson is such a smashing deal to everybody. And Byron Buxton is the worst pick you can possibly have because he also doesn't play the games. If he did and he was a 2020 guy, he's an insane deal and I'm cool with it. I'm cool with taking uh, Tim Anderson under that guys, but you do need to know you're not going to get a full season of games because it never happens. So he's very risky. If you pass up all those incredible shortstops, because you're telling yourself, Oh, I can get Tim Anderson. He's awesome. Yeah, he is for 110 games. <laughs> Before I get to the shortstop on my list, I want to remind everybody, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, subscribe to Fantasy Bros MLB. And if you're listening to us on the podcast format, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Do it. It's fun. It's amazing. And we're giving away a free upgrade to Fantasy Pros Premium for somebody who is a subscriber who clicks the little bell till it goes ding for notifications and drops a comment below. So if you've got risky players you want to talk about, drop them in the comments. And just like that, you will throw your hat in the ring for a free Fantasy Pros Premium upgrade where you get custom mock drafts, salary cap draft tools, and in-depth analysis of your fantasy performance, Fantasy Pros Premium. They've got all the tools to help you win and unlock the most powerful fantasy tools in the industry. 
So don't wait for the giveaway. Sign up today, fantasypros.com slash premium, or at least throw your hat in the ring for the freebie too. But again, either way, subscribe to Fantasy Pros MLB. It's where it's at. Let's get to the shortstop on my list. It's Carlos Correa. Now, Correa had a pretty good season. Talk about a guy who's limited to 120 games every year. You kind of you have that expectation with him, but he was good last year. The fact that not one but two organizations bucked at giving him a long-term contract. Now, look, I understand this is redraft we're talking about here. This is not dynasty or keeper league scenarios. But what if it's even worse than we think, Welsh? Like, what if there's just something here that, to me – that these two organizations saw what they saw, reacted the way they did. It tells me there's even more inherent risk in Carlos Correa than we might realize. He's going at number 100 overall, still a place where the risk is understandable. You can look at it and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take this risk. I'm okay with it. But shortstop is pretty deep. Shortstop has, I think, ways you can go about it. Uh, Carlos Correa is going right after Willie Adamas. He's uh, going right before Jeremy Pena, Ahmed Rosario. Like there's some guys out there you can still kind of get along with. I mean, Tim Anderson has fallen in a lot of drafts too. I've seen recently. So there's definitely this risky pile of shortstops. And I'm just a little concerned that maybe Carlos Correa's long-term health might be more of a short-term risk than we realize. And people aren't thinking enough like that. I'm not saying you can't take him. I'm just saying if you do, you better have a plan. What do you think about Correa? Yeah, I think so. The the only thing is like he's played what is close to three full seasons. He played 136 games this past year, which isn't like a full, but it's mm-hmm. better than Tim Anderson. Right. Ryan Buxton. He played 148 the year before, no doubt. Which yeah. is still close to a full season and 58 in the COVID year. I mean, that's three straight years. His but problem he was also is, a guy pushing for a contract in those years. Let's not forget. You know, Both those years, like, well, but I don't think you just, you get your money and you're just like, all right, cool. Let's break the ankle. You know, it's going to look now. now it, but the, there's one thing to push through. And then the players, when they get the long-term guaranteed money, the pushing all of a sudden stops. Well, one of his biggest problem is like pushing through the production. He literally is like never lived up to his expectations. Like he, no, he has, hasn't. we're always like, oh, you're hit and he can't. He hasn't stolen a base for three years. That's out the window. Um, the run totals. He had one year. Uh, funny enough, you could take the COVID year and 2022, and it's still not the amount of runs he scored in 2021. That was the outlier out there. So, like, he just doesn't live up to expectations. He has this crazy lingering ankle thing that we're staring at that's in our face. Mm-hmm. I do think that makes him risky. But here's my question. 91 ADP is Tim Anderson. 100 is Carlos Correa. Do you think Carlos Cor- – who is riskier to you? Do you think Carlos Correa think is Correa. so much safer than Tim Anderson or riskier? No, I, I think Correa is riskier. I really do. I like Anderson but why? as a player. Because, because – but Anderson plays less well, games Anderson, without he does, He's going to give me the stolen bases, and he's going to give me – I know the batting average I'm going to lock in. He gives you those two okay. things that I think are a little harder to find, which is the batting average and stolen bases, whereas Correa, you're not getting any steals. You know that. That's never coming. And I'll be the first to admit, like I thought Carlos Correa was going to be a franchise-type player – and it just never materialized. Maybe his injuries, maybe he just was overrated. But I remember the first time I saw him when he was like 17, 18 years old. And I thought, my God, this guy could be the next A-Rod. And he just never, never developed in the same way. And I don't think he grew the same way either. I think he looked at the frame and you thought he was going to develop in a different way. And he never did. And I think maybe that's also part of the equation. But at the end of the day, it's a player that, again, the I, risk for me is not great. I think they're... Um... 
as risky as you can get. And this is such a deep position. And we fall into this sometimes that I think it's a crutch where, you know, it's so deep. I can get it later. I can get one of those guys. I think you put yourself in a massive amount of risk. I think Tim Anderson is as risky as Carlos Correa for different reasons. Anderson has a floor, maybe statistically Correa is going to play more games. That's just a fact because that's what he does. I want to take Wander Franco and Andre Zimenez. Go and take a better shortstop. That's my whole point. Go and take a better shortstop than all of these losers, please. I agree. I All say right, that let's get to lovingly. the last guy on your <laughs> lovingly. Only lovingly love losers. here. It's a lovingly loser kind of situation yeah. here. Give me the last guy on your list, Welsh, and I love this one. Uh, Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill, mm-hmm. I cannot wrap my head around. I'm not going to even try, guys. Uh, projections have wild numbers. People love him. He had a horrid year last year. 96 games, 14, uh, 14 homers, 14 soul bases. Okay. He hit 228. Strikeout rate uh, was um, better than the previous year, but still relatively bad. Babip was low, so you could see that kind of bouncing back up. But a hard hit tanked it went to 43 percent from 52 percent his barrel rate dropped six percent his launch angle went down i look at all of that stuff and i go okay like he's a good fantasy player but he's becoming this perennial buyback bad x has him at 26 homers 15 stolen bases and i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around how comfortable people are drafting him thinking we're just back we're just getting this completely back. And I know it's annoying to this point, but I would rather go and take my chances with Lars Newtbar than this. I think there's a lot of strikeout volatility. The batting average worried me in general. He's obviously a physical freak and a monster and can absolutely rocket balls out of there. I've just never been a big Tyler O'Neill fan, and it's coming off of a really bad year. I think he is plenty risky, though his cost isn't crazy but it's still 102. It's just after a top 100, and that doesn't process in my brain why I would take a 100 overall pick for Tyler O'Neill on the bounce back. I'd say it's a big no thank you. It's amazing seeing him next to Byron Buxton. I might be crazy. I'll take Byron Buxton two oh, spots before Buxton I take too. Tyler O'Neill, please. That That's not even close. Not even close for me. I'm with you on that. So there we go. We found the losers we love. There we go. All right. No spoiler alert here. Uh, it's, you know, same old, same old. Uh, the 26th player overall, the number five pitcher overall, Jacob deGrom. I'm not doing it. He is the riskiest pick in fantasy baseball. And I'm somebody who's fading to the top of the board at pitching anyway because I want that offense this year. I want to make sure I lock those guys in. And as I've said many times on the show, pitchers 10 through 30, there's a lot of ace material there. And you don't get that every year. So whether it's some of the guys that are a little undervalued because of age, whether guys that are just, you know, like Joe Musgrove who performed like an ace. We were talking about Joe Musgrove as NL Cy Young for the first four months of the year. Okay. There's a lot of guys out there that you can live with in your rotation and get a couple of them and kind of pound that 10 to 30 range and get two or three guys out of there. I'm not doing it with Jacob DeGrom. I'm not doing it. And you know what I thought of today? This was a new wrinkle. It's like, how can I beat this drum a different way? And here it is. Well, Jacob DeGrom, arguably, I think you would agree when he is right, is the best pitcher in baseball, correct? Uh, Without question. Why did nobody else want him but the Texas Rangers? Well, how do you know that? I mean, the Texas Rangers offered uh, a tank, a tank of money. So what what do you mean? They offered a tank of money. But did you hear? I didn't hear one buzz about anybody else kicking the tires on Jacob DeGrom. Significant offers being made. The Mets made an offer. It was an underwhelming offer. It was a market value offer. Because they know what they're getting into with him. But only the Texas Rangers who need to overpay in order to get guys there. And Jacob DeGrom certainly was not going to turn that money down. But where were the Yankees? 
Where were the Dodgers? Where were Houston? Where, where I mean, Houston Astros could have used the starting pitcher with Justin Verlander leaving, right? None of those teams stepped up to have conversations with Jacob DeGrom. I think that's a huge red flag that people should recognize and realize. It's not that he can't be good. It's that you're asking at that ADP for him to be 30 starts good, and I can't get there, Welsh. I just can't do it. No, I get it. I don't I don't like where he is now. The camp stuff has bothered me. It really has because I've, <laughs> I've watched his like demeanor, uh, like kind of like walking around and his interactions and also him not doing anything. He just like walks around. He's never doing anything. He threw, I believe it was on Thursday, he threw like 13 pitches in a full bullpen session, which I is a positive, by the way, all fastballs. He had done a couple light toss before that. And then he's expected maybe later next week or uh, into this week, uh, four or five days that maybe he's going to start doing like a more intense bullpen session and then getting into games. I think he's going to kind of buck some of the concerns that have been brewing, but I just haven't liked it in general. And that's not a pitcher you pay like the third overall SP for. You should pay no. quite a lower bit for it. Uh, I'm still five. in Jacob DeGrom and I'll take him. Mean, if he's five here, I think it's probably closer to eight or nine. That's where it would really be comfortable. And you are right. You know, the Tatis thing, he's the highest capital risk of any player that you have to take. But Jacob DeGrom is probably the riskiest because if you spend a really, really high piece on him and he gets hurt like he does, it's going to set you back. The problem is, is he just is the best pitcher in all of baseball and he could literally win you a half of a year um, and he could, re, you know, return your stats in Roto or he could sit you, set you off in a head to head if he early misses time. But you just have no idea. You have no idea what's when going you on. Do, when you take DeGrom and he bottoms out, you're missing on offense, too. And then you're yeah, missing on yeah, pitching also. I mean, like yeah, the whole that, structure that's actually of your like the big pitching. is completely wrong then. That's like the big I pitching think. argument too right now is like you have really early high investment in pitching. You're just passing up like really elite, elite hitters. And that's, I think, really tough to do because of the great pitching. We've talked about like a ton of the names like the George Kirby's and the Hunter Greens and the Musgroves and stuff. You can get those guys later. I think it's really hard to palette like why you would take a guy like Jacob DeGrom with all the risk. And I'm acknowledging that. And I'm like the Jacob DeGrom apologist. So I totally get it. All right. Let's talk about our early spring training ADP risers. I, I figured what we do is look at the consensus ADP and then look at some of the guys where they're going in NFBC because the NFBC drafts are very serious. And those are good indicators of where trends are going because those leagues have a lot of money invested in them. So the first one for me is Josh Hader. 53 is the consensus ADP for him. NFBC is 41. So those closers tend to get bumped up in those formats. Closers and catchers in NFBC, you'll see a little higher ADP, typically speaking. But the hater one, obviously, people were just buying into what they saw when he went to San Diego and getting the ship right. Corbin Carroll, one of our mascots. He might be this year's mascot on the show. He might be 82 in consensus, 70 in NFBC. So that is a, a big jump here. That's a 12 spot jump for the NFBC people. They're telling you they're being aggressive on this player. That's a good thing. Now he's a value in early drafts, but that might not last very long. So as we get closer and closer to your draft days, keep an eye and be ready to pay the premium. And then Jonathan India, people are starting to get a little forgiveness on Justin Mason last week in the draft, had a little forgiveness for Jonathan India. He drafted him. 191 is the consensus ADP. 178 is the NFVC one. So people are starting to look at Jonathan India, starting to get out of the tunnel vision of last year and say, okay, this was a player who was a high prospect, had a very good rookie campaign last year. Nothing went right for him. And they're starting to buy back in. Now that's one that I think has risk ironically, but Corbin Carroll, Josh Hader, those are two guys. You can see the ADP starting to rise. So get ready 
to spend because that's not going away anytime soon. And then Indy is a player that you have to ask yourself, do I want to spend on this player when he goes past that 170-ish range? That becomes more of a risk. Welsh, who are three guys that you've seen starting to roll up in ADP early on? Yeah, these are low. These are a little bit lower uh, numerically, but there's also been some actually like string training buzz that is going to push them up. I sorted this also by NFBC draft champions from February 1st on compared to the Fantasy Pros consensus. O'Neill Cruz has gone up a couple spots, 73 on Fantasy Pros, 71 on NFBC. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but that shortstop position is so deep. O'Neill Cruz simply going out in uh, spring training and talking about not only does he want to be a 30-30 guy, but he is setting goals to try to be a 40-40 player. And I think significantly that just jumps in all of our minds. Him simply saying that just makes us go into a frenzy and he will start going up in it. And I think it's warranted. I want O'Neill Cruz. I have him higher than this. I would hate to see him go too crazy. But after Corey Seager goes off the board, I'm looking at O'Neill Cruz because of the insane stats he has. Number two, Gunnar Henderson. 93 on Fantasy Pro since February 1st. He's jumped up to 90 on NFBC. A big reason also with that is uh, kind of the same Corby Carroll stuff. There's a lot of rookie excitement in there, but position eligibility. Almost everybody agrees on this one statement that Gunnar Henderson ends the tier of comfortable third baseman, and that is only going to make a player go up, especially mm-hmm. as he gets into games and starts to roll. So you're slowly starting to see this. It will be much bigger soon. And then the final one is Joe Ryan, 145 on Fantasy Pros. He's jumped up to 140. 40 on NFBC. That's really t- relatively significant. And he talked about adding a new pitch. There's a couple of good articles out there. I believe Alex Fast was covering him. New pitch alert tends to always get a pitcher moving up. But Joe Ryan is one of the few that's at a really low cost and has a really good floor. And people are jumping on Joe Ryan, Gunnar Henderson, O'Neill Cruz, some spring training ADP risers that are only going to increase. And we're seeing it at least from February 1st on over on NFBC. And Joe Ryan, for me, Welsh is one of those guys I've already put draft capital in. I've got him in my keeper leagues, too. So keep an eye. Welsh is right. That cost is not going to stay cheap much longer. So those are your risky guys, your early ADP risers. Again, drop your comments below in the YouTube. We want to know from you who some of your risky picks are that you love and you hate. Love it. You want to call them losers? Go ahead. Do it. Make sure you subscribe when you do. That's right. Lovingly losers, but you got to be a subscriber first. Click that little bell till it goes ding. And then you can go premium at fantasypros.com slash premium and get your mock draft on at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard or just download the app. Make it easy on yourself. I want to thank the sponsor of today's show, and that's Fantrax. Head over to Fantrax.com slash fantasypros today. Start a new league or move your old leagues over to Fantrax, the best place to play fantasy baseball. And when you do, you could win a signed Vladdy Jr. jersey only at Fantrax.com slash fantasypros. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on for the Welsh. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Pros MLB and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros MLB.